Hello everyone, welcome back to In Shape Radio. Hope everyone is well. Another sunny Friday. I say another sunny Friday. It's probably the first sunny Friday we've had in about a month, isn't it? Let's be honest. Um, thanks for tuning in as always. So today's episode is one that I believe is going to help put a lot of minds at rest because obviously working with, with a lot of people on body composition goals, worrying about the scale is probably one of the, the most frequent worries and you know the questions that I get every week are usually around what's happening on the scale. Now, if you listen to last week's episode, you'll hear that my recommendation is to kind of, if you are weighing yourself, to do it more frequently and take the averages. But the problem is with that, you then see the, the number more frequently. So you actually see the fluctuations and that can be a little bit of a, a mind boggle at times. Um, but also like it can make you question whether things are working and, and all that sort of stuff. So you've really got to focus on the averages and then use that to guide whether you're actually hitting a plateau or whether you're progressing, but use that in combination with a whole host of other things, which I'm going to go over on today's podcast. So get straight into it. Like, what is a plateau? So you can have a weight loss plateau and a fat loss plateau, and they are two very different things. You can see a weight loss plateau where the scale stops moving, but still be losing body fat. If The only way that an actual fat loss plateau would stop is if you are no longer in an energy deficit. So the way to think about an energy deficit, the analogy that I always give is... You know, if you, I've, I've probably said this on the podcast previously, but if you tried to drive from London to Leeds, but you only had enough petrol to get to Nottingham. Now, if you're not in the UK, just imagine you're trying to drive to a certain location, but you've only got enough fuel to get halfway. Um, you on, you're only going to be able to finish that journey if you put more fuel in the car. You can't physically drive the rest of the journey if the car has got no petrol in. That is exactly the same as fat loss. So if you burn... 2,500 calories a day and you only consume 1,500, the way that energy works, your body cannot physically go without that missing energy. So you're missing 1,000 calories. So the body has to make that up from somewhere. It's, you know, it's literally like the, the most basic law of thermodynamics. And this is why when people um, say that calories don't matter. Uh, Tim Spector, for example, or Stephen Bartlett starting to get into that whole space now. It drives me mental. Um, who else? Eddie Abu. Like, th- there's a few people that I'm, I'm getting lined up to do kind of like some reaction videos on social media because it just drives me crazy because it is literally one of the most proven things in science that calories and energy balance is literally the foundation of whether we gain fat, lose fat, or maintain body fat levels. You cannot physically go through the day or through the week with, with missing energy. If you're burning a certain amount and taking in less through food, you have to take it from somewhere else, and the body will do that by tapping into fat stores. Um, so the only way that fat loss will stop is if your energy balance equation is thrown off somehow and you stop losing body fat because you're no longer in an energy deficit. Now, Weight loss plateaus can occur for so many different factors. So when you're looking at the scale, you can't always say whether you're actually hitting a fat loss plateau just because the scale stopped moving. So the first thing to ask is, do you know your energy balance numbers? So do you know how many calories you're eating and do you know how much roughly you're expending? 
And if you don't know that, you should start there. So you don't have to track to lose body fat. I want to make that clear. Like you don't have to. I've actually just worked with um, one of my longer term clients on a, a Olaf on a, on a project. I don't know if he'll be listening, but uh, on on his weight loss and well on, on his fat loss. And we didn't use tracking the whole way through. But what we did have to do was use them principles. So you can go down the route of saying like, right, okay, what we're going to do is only eat lean protein. We're not going to have alcohol. We're going to make sure we're only eating carbs in one meal per day. And you're basically putting structures in place to make sure that your calorie intake is controlled. And this is where, you know, if you cut out carbs and you cut out fats or whatever, you can control your calorie intake by doing so. So generally speaking, non-tracked methods of fat loss do become a little bit more restrictive. But that's, I mean, that's a slightly different topic. Uh, But I definitely recommend tracking your input and tracking your food. In today's world, it is being made easier and easier to do it. There's more and more apps coming out. There's more tech. It's more advanced. Um, You know, obviously the nutrition information is becoming more broadly available from restaurants. Like it is getting easier to track your nutrition. Obviously there is some behavioral aspects to it and relationship with food type um, thoughts that we need to bear in mind with it and making sure it doesn't become a way of life and you're not stuck in this position where you can only eat if it's tracked. That's why with my clients, like I will regularly do like untracked days, untracked meals, and we'll work on sort of like mindful decision making rather than just it has to be tracked all the time. Um, But again, I mean, that's a slightly different topic. That's not really related to a weight loss plateau, but important for me to say nonetheless, but start there. So if you don't know your input and you don't know your output, I would recommend starting to track there. If you think you've hit a fat loss plateau or you've hit a weight loss plateau and you don't think you're progressing, but you don't know your numbers, it makes it harder to make adjustments. So start tracking your calories. Start tracking your steps, start tracking your exercise, start tracking your cardio, and then you can start to make adjustments from there. So if you have genuinely hit a fat loss plateau, the only way that it will occur is you've either started to eat more calories, you've started to move less, or a combination of both. That's the most common reason. Now, The only other caveat to that is if you have lost a very significant amount of weight, and I'm I'm talking kind of like 20, 30, 40 kilos here, um, your output, your natural energy output, so the amount of calories you burn does go down. But this isn't because of metabolism. So people will say, oh, your metabolism's crashed and you've hit starvation mode and all of these things. And it's just, that's just not the case. Like the most brutal way to think about starvation mode and your metabolism crashing because you've lost weight is why, like, you know, if you've ever watched um, Comic Relief, for example, like, why are we in such an unfortunate position where, you know, people are going through hardships and starving to death around the world? If starvation mode was a thing, that wouldn't happen. So your metabolism crashing and starvation mode isn't actually a thing from like a physio, well, I guess it is physiological in a way what I'm about to say, but it's not something that's going on with like your thyroid or or something like that. Like you get very, very, very small sort of metabolic changes in terms of your thyroid if you've gone through a weight loss plan, like very small, not significant enough to make you hit a plateau. The main mechanism behind it is you just burn less calories carrying less weight around. If you do 10,000 steps when you're 120 kilos and then you do 10,000 steps when you're 80 kilos, Imagine if I put a 40 kilo dumbbell in a bag and told you to go and walk around 10,000 steps with it. 
and then took the dumbbell out of the bag, you're obviously going to find that walk a lot easier. It's not going to it's not going to be as energy expensive because you've you're not carrying that 40 kilos around. So that's the main reason and that can change, you know, that can have a significant impact. I was actually showing a client this using a spreadsheet on a check-in last week. Uh, because he's lost a lot of weight. So he's now come down by sort of like 30 kilos and things were starting to slow down a little bit from a fat loss perspective. So I just had to show him like the reality is that he's burning less calories now and we need to change his energy balance equation. Uh, But you know, that can change things by up to maybe like 400 calories a day sometimes if you lose a really significant amount of weight. If you lose 10 kilos, you know, it's not really gonna change enough to cause you to hit a plateau. Um, but if you do go into that territory where you are dropping sort of 30, 40 kilos of body weight, um, you know, you do need to readjust sometimes with either the amount of calories that you're eating or the amount of calories you are expending because the energy balance equation does change. So that that's pretty much the only reasons why you'll hit a fat loss plateau, not a weight loss plateau. So we're going to get to that in a second. So here are some of the reasons that I see the scale stopping. So the reasons that the scale will stop, uh, not necessarily fat loss. So if these things happen, or if the, if these things are, you know, if you can tick these off, these might be the reasons why the, the scale has stopped moving, but you are still losing fat and still in a deficit. So these are some of the most common ones. So high stress and muscle soreness combined with low protein and sleep issues. So there's a mix there, and I track these things on a spreadsheet with clients, and I get them to look at this almost daily. Um, where we're looking at muscle soreness, we're looking at protein levels, we're looking at stress, we're looking at sleep. And the reason for that, nine times out of 10, if those things are being rated as like a, it's a red, so it's color coded. If it's a red, it means that those things are high. When those things are high, nine times out of 10, I will see the scale stop. And that's just because of water retention. So if you're training a lot and you're training hard, but your protein is not there to support recovery, essentially when you've got muscle soreness, it's just like swelling. That's going to take a lot longer to clear up if your muscles aren't repairing fast enough and then you keep training and you keep going. So low protein combined with um, lots of exercise can lead to water retention through lack of recovery. And then if you're highly stressed, you've got, you know, high cortisol levels and cortisol is one of the hormones that will pull water into pretty much everywhere in the body. So so it's a really sort of like, what's the word I'm looking for? I want to say osmotic. Well, it doesn't really matter what the word is. It, it causes you to, you know, retain a lot of water. And, you know, if, if you're also smashing down loads of coffees when you're stressed. So if you think about what generally a stressful life looks like, you're not sleeping very well, you're living off caffeine, you're not eating great. Like all of these things start to come into combination and then that can just lead to the scale stopping because of water retention. Uh, consecutive days of eating out. Or should... should Maybe I should give like, so So what you would do in those situations is eat more protein, obviously. Um, try and manage stress in better ways. So like do some journaling, get out for nature walks, like try and switch off a little bit more at weekends and get some good sleep. Sometimes like just when people go away on um, three, four day holidays and they come back and they're lighter, they can't believe they're lighter because they've had more food. But what tends to happen is sometimes when you go away on these short breaks, there's a story that comes to mind here, actually. I worked with a woman um, many years ago and she was getting married and her weight stayed the same for quite a few weeks, but she was getting, she, you know, you could see she was getting leaner. 
Um, and she was stressing out about it. And she, she was very, very, very stressed. Like her job was intense. She had lots of, I think she had three young kids under the age of four. Um, like she was stressed. And then before the wedding, she went to like a four day spa break. Didn't track her food. She had pizza. She had a couple of glasses of wine. Like she just chilled out for four days. She came back two kilos lighter in four days. And she just dropped so much water retention and she looked completely different from it. And that's sometimes what I see with clients as well. Like they'll go away on a break and they'll come back lighter and they can't believe they're lighter. They're like, I just don't get it. I've had pizza. I've had all these things. And it's like, well, what you've done is you've chilled out and you've dropped all that water retention from cortisol levels. And that's now shown the fat loss that you were worried about because you've dropped the water weight. So high stress, high muscle soreness and sleep are big factors. Try and manage those things a little bit better and you'll probably see the weight come down. Okay, next point, consecutive days of eating out. So when you eat out at restaurants, even if you're making good choices, and to be honest, more so when you're making good choices, because when you go for blander food or leaner food when you're eating out, they tend to use more salt to still give it like a good bit of life. So if you eat at like a Lebanese place and you just get meats and rice and, you know, couscous or whatever, there tends to be a lot of salt in those dishes because they still want to make it nice. Uh, and then also, generally speaking, when you're eating out, there's going to be more carbs, potentially alcohol. So that's kind of like the next point. Like if you've been drinking even a moderate amount, so just a few glasses of wine, but on consecutive days, you'll start to see an accumulation of water retention just because of what alcohol does to dehydration. And then, you know, kind of what I was talking about last week, um, causing you to, to then gain more weight on the scale because of water retention. So a lot of these things are related to water. And again, if you didn't listen to last week's episode um, on tracking progress, go and do that because I'll go into that in a bit more detail there. Cool. And then inaccurate tracking. So this is knowingly or unknowingly. So it's kind of like conscious or subconscious. So things like oils, milks, sauces, like not tracking those things, like knowingly, and just thinking like, oh, it doesn't really matter. It's just a little bit of this, bit of that. They can add up. So again, I've got a story here. I worked with um, a woman back in, we're probably talking literally like 2017, 2018 now. And we, we were doing some troubleshooting because she, she'd hit a bit of a plateau and we were trying to figure out why. And then I was like, right, okay, are you, are you tracking everything that contains calories? And she said, no, because to be honest, like sometimes I do say, like, don't worry if you are generally just using like a tiny bit of skimmed milk here and there and, you know, a teaspoon of olive oil once a day to cook, cook in, like stuff like that, like is so small. Uh, it's just when they add up and accumulate that it can be a bit of a problem. So if those things start getting more and more in your day, then you might need to start tracking them. So we did a troubleshoot and we discovered that she was having like 10 milky teas and coffees a day using full fat milk. And it added up to about six, 700 calories worth of milk a day because she was putting quite a lot in. So I was like, right, let's, let's est show me in this mug. I got her to pour in a mug how much milk she had. And then we times it by how many she was having a day. And it came out to about 700 calories worth of milk a day. Started tracking that and factoring that in, into a calorie intake, reduced it down with skimmed milk as well, I believe. And she just started dropping out of nowhere. So sometimes you've got to look at, if you are tracking, are you tracking are you not tracking a lot of things that do contain calories? Because that could be, you know, the missing link. Um, and then you've got unknowingly as well. So sometimes there might be some inaccurate entries in my fitness pal. And this is why I've, I've got a 25 minute tutorial to show clients how to use it to make sure they can spot things. 
Um, and, you know, I'll do like a, a food diary review for them as well, especially if they're not dropping. I'll go deeper into their food diary and have a look for everything and see if I can spot any inaccuracies. Um, so there's knowing and unknowing inaccurate tracking that can lead to a plateau just by taking in more calories than you think you are. And then you've got your menstrual cycle for, 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 for the women listening. Um, when you're in that sort of like PMS state, just starting your period, you will see the scale go up nine times out of 10. Again, just because of changes in like progesterone and estrogen and the patterns that you go through through the month, as you build up to PMS and then start in your period, you will see more water retention. And that is a very, very common reason for seeing the scale sort of stagnate. And obviously for women, that's quite a difficult one because in that period, that's also where, um, especially when you're in PMS, that's where cravings are higher, moods lower, motivations lower, and, and all of those things. Oh. There's a new one. Not had a call in the podcast before. Um, so it's obviously quite difficult to see the scale not moving when you are feeling that way. So to be honest, the, the best way to use the scale if you've got a regular menstrual cycle is just week one of each cycle and then week two and compare those rather than trying to compare week four to week two of your cycle because it's just going to be completely different. Um, so yeah, menstrual cycle is a big one. So ask yourself that. So these are some questions to ask yourself if you think you've hit a plateau. So have I lost weight consistently on average over the last two to three weeks? Because if you have, if you've dropped, like say you've dropped 1% a week for the last three weeks or you've lost half a kilo or however it is that you're tracking your body weight, if you've changed nothing, like fat loss wouldn't just stop. So if you've been losing consistently and then nothing, you've done absolutely nothing different and the scale has just stopped dropping, then you've got nothing to worry about. You've just got to think it's down to other factors because at the end of the day, like if you're in a, say if you're in a 7,000 calorie deficit for three weeks and you drop a kilo a week and then all of a sudden you hit a wall and it stops dropping, you would, what would have happened um, if you've changed nothing, like why would you stop losing fat? Because obviously if you're still doing the same amount of output and the same amount of input from your calories, like your energy balance is going to be the same because over that three week period, you're only going to have lost say three kilos and that's not enough to change um, your energy balance equation. Like I said at the start, you're actually looking at more like 30 kilos of weight loss before that actually really changes. So if you're losing consistently for a few weeks and it stops, ask yourself, you know, all those, those questions there, like, am I stressed? Am I, you know, drinking more? Have I changed my carbs? Am I during my period? And just start digging into that a little bit more. Have my pictures, measurements, and clothing changed over the last four weeks? So you should be like using other markers alongside the scale. Like, again, that, that's more of like last week's podcast. But if you're looking at your pictures, have they changed a little bit? Like you're not going to look at pictures every four weeks and see insane changes sometimes you can if you're going really aggressive but you're just looking for more like subtle differences like is there less body fat in certain areas have things got smaller can you see more lines starting to pop through like does it just look like there's changes put them side by side and play spot the difference you know like the game you used to play when you were a kid that's the best way to do uh progress picture assessments if you're comparing like every four weeks obviously if you're comparing start pictures to month six or month three then you want to be seeing more obvious changes but if you're comparing pictures every two three four weeks the best thing to do is put them together and then play spot the difference that's 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 the best way to do it i've never actually put it like that by the way and that is actually a good way to put it um and then clothing like 
do you feel any different in clothes that were previously tight? And, and start digging into those things as well. Okay, question three. Do I feel like I'm in an energy deficit? So like you should feel like you're in a deficit at times. Like there should be moments where hunger is a little bit higher. There might be a little bit more cravings. There might be a bit more food focus. And you might have the occasional energy dips. You don't want to be through the floor with those things for too long. Like you might have to push through at times if you're going quite aggressive with things. Um, I mean, me this week, like I've, I've lost a lot of weight on my prep this week. And I've, I've had a couple of moments where it's been like, Whew, I'm feeling a bit of a pinch here. Um, so, you know, you should feel like you're in an energy deficit at times. If you're absolutely buzzing all the time and you're full of beans and you're just ready for action all the time, like that's something to tune into. If you're not dropping weight for a few weeks and you're also not really feeling like you're in a deficit, it's probably a sign that you might not be. Um, cool. And then has anything changed with carbs, salt, alcohol, muscle soreness, stress, bowel movements? I feel like I've covered most of those apart from the bowel movement one. So... Like if you start going to the toilet less and you start to feel like you're a little bit constipated, which can happen when you're when you're dieting, that can cause the scale to not necessarily go up, but stay the same for a few days. And then when you go for a, a nice big poop one morning, you'll see that the scale then goes down as well. So there's a few things to consider there. How long has my average weight been the same? So really you're looking at minimum two weeks but really like three weeks or more if your average weight has been the same so you've been weighing yourself five six seven days a week taking the averages and and you get to week three and there's still no change then this is where you reassess all of those things that i've said in this podcast and start to try and draw the dots a little bit and and start to gauge whether you're actually in a fat loss uh, deficit or not um am i in pms stage of my cycle you know so just tune in with that if you're tracking your cycle and obviously you'll know, uh, but obviously you'll, you'll probably know from how you feel and the sort of stage of the month that you're in. But if, if you are, then, you know, that's definitely a reason why the scale would plateau. So after you've done some troubleshooting, you've asked yourself a lot of these questions, you've tuned in with your body, you've looked at other progress markers, you've not lost weight on average for a few weeks, then it might be that you've you've hit a plateau, right? So here's like what I would then do from there. So if you're not tracking data at all, start tracking data. That is the number one because once you've got a good idea of how many calories you're actually eating and how much you're moving, it then makes it much easier to start making the adjustments that I'm about to speak about. So if you are tracking, make sure you're being honest and accurate. So make sure you know you revise how to track properly. So weighing things raw, uh, how to use my fitness power, how to get the best out of it for, from an accuracy perspective. And again, if you're not a client, like I've, I've got a video I'm more than happy to send that over. You know, it's, it's not like I'm sending you the whole coaching service. It's literally just a video on how to track your food. Just drop me a message on Instagram at InShape with Ryan and I'll send you the link. It's, it's literally a YouTube video. Um, if you are then, you've got your data, you know how much you're moving, you know how much you're, you're taking in, then you need to make some adjustments if you've actually hit a fat loss plateau. So you can either move more or eat less or do a combination of the two. My preference is typically a combination of the two because most people are very busy. So getting, you know, asking them to do another 5,000 steps a day and 300 calories of cardio, it's just often not possible. So normally, like obviously reduce, say if you drop an avocado from your diet and that drops 250 calories, that you can do that in the click of a finger and not really lose that much food, vo food volume from it. Whereas if you were to try and do that from output, you know, you're probably talking an extra 5,000 steps a day, which is a lot more time. So it's quicker 
to reduce food to create a bigger deficit. However, you don't want to reduce food all like really low because you want nutrients and you know you want a bit of social flexibility. You don't want. I try and avoid taking food too low if I can help it. So combination of the two is usually the way to go. So just move a little bit more and eat a little bit less and just try and rebalance that energy balance equation a little bit. So you could drop calories by 250 to 300 a day um, and then increase steps by 2000. So you kind of do meeting in the middle and doing a little bit of both or you could add in a thousand calories of cardio a week and do some post-workout cardio. You could put some extra workouts in. Just try and move your body a little bit more and drop your calories down a little bit. Obviously, that is much easier to do if you know your numbers. If you don't know your numbers, you can't make those adjustments. And then track your weight for another seven to 10 days and just see what happens and it should start to move from there. So that is how to identify if you're actually at a plateau. There's some things to think about. How can you identify whether it's just a weight loss plateau and I'm still losing body fat or have I actually hit a fat loss plateau? Because the fat loss plateau is the thing that we care about, right? We don't really care if the scale stops moving for a week or two if you're still losing body fat, because it can happen. Anything more than two to three weeks, that's where you start to dig in a little bit deeper and, and start to try and identify why you're not in a deficit anymore. Have you started eating more food? Have you started moving less? Is it a combination of the two? That would be the way to go. And then for those of you that just, you know, completely against tracking and don't want to track, the way that you would go about doing this, I mean, you know, tracking your steps and tracking your movement, like that's easy because that's all on your phone pretty much. So I'm not, I, I think everyone can track their movement. But if you don't want to track your nutrition, all you would then do is start looking at ways to reduce portion sizes, uh, make meals leaner without having to track it. So that's where you would say, right, I'm only going to eat lean protein. So you'd cut out like salmon, beef, pork, fatty cuts of protein, and you would only include chicken, white fish that sort of thing. Um, you would say, you know, if you're currently drinking alcohol three nights a week and having a few pints, you would say, right, I'm going to drink once a week or not at all. And I'm going to drink only spirits and diet mixers. And this was the process I went through with my client when we didn't use food tracking. But like I say, it does become a little bit more restrictive because you've got to create the deficit then through almost like food rules and food guidelines rather than just tracking your data. If you know your numbers, what gets measured gets managed it makes it much easier for you to factor in, you know, the foods that you genuinely want to eat, but just get your calories right. All right, so there we go. Don't worry if the scale stops moving for a week or two, especially if you've been dropping consistently. Go through this, the questions in this podcast, go through the areas to think about that I've mentioned. And hopefully this helps you stop worrying every time the scale starts to slow down or every time it hits a bit of a wall. Listen to this podcast. Okay, thanks for listening. As always, any feedback... It's always appreciated whether you leave me a review on the App Store, Spotify, send me a message on Instagram, let me know it was useful. Any screenshots, story shares, all that stuff, really, really um, appreciated. Like The podcast is still growing. I obviously always want it to be a bit quicker. I think I'm on about 350 downloads now, which you know I'm happy with. So thank you for everyone that keeps tuning in. It's really appreciated to know that I'm not just talking to myself every Friday morning. Uh, and if there's ever anything that you would like me to go through on the podcast, I mean, I've got a list of things that I want to, you know, kind of deliver, but it's open, you know, for those of you that are tuning in regularly, if you want me to do a podcast episode on something, I don't know, it could be a particular person, a particular method, like nutrition, diet, like whatever, exercise, I'd, I'd be more than happy to take on the suggestions. Okay, thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. I'll catch you next week.